because I think art is so such a weird profession because there's no rule book there's no one writing down do xyz get this job to get the exposure and then you're, there's no ladder in essence there's no right or wrong path you have to rely on yourself welcome back to the blind fruit bowl a platform dedicated to the discussion and exploration of art and the creative process in today's interview I had the chance to speak to the extremely talented Katie Harold. Katie is an artist and illustrator from the UK, creates amazingly detailed pencils and graphite drawings. Seeking inspiration from the South Coast, her personal work spans across a range of subject matters, and she also creates editorial illustrations for magazines and websites. I thoroughly enjoyed my conversation with Katie, and I really hope you enjoyed it too. Tell us a bit about yourself and how you became an artist. Oh, okay. So my name is Katie Harold, and I am a pencil and graphite artist uh, working in sunny Dorset, which, uh, if you don't know, is a county in the south of England. It's sort of famed for its beautiful landscapes, Jurassic Coast, wildlife, basically just being a lot of green space. Um, I grew up between the New Forest in Hampshire and Dorset, so uh, my work is sort of a direct... Um, consequence of growing up in the countryside. So I produce, I would call them sort of realism, realistic depictions of wildlife, um, the natural world. So shells, fossils, uh, plant life, trees, birds, mammals, insects, anything that sort of is not man-made, I would say. Um, And I produce work for galleries, exhibitions, uh, prints, uh, magazine publications, books. Uh, I think that might be the list of things I've produced work for. Uh, I like most, I think most artists maybe. I went to university to study art. I did a degree in illustration at the Arts University Bournemouth, which is east from here, not too far away. Um, and I thought that would be the best place to start a career in art. And I've just sort of gone on from there. So that's actually one of the questions I wanted to ask you, which is perfect. It's a perfect segue. Um, okay. so, how, so how did studying and creative degree set you up for being an artist? Uh, it was a long time ago now. When did I leave? I left in 2014, I graduated, which is really scary to think about. That was seven years ago this year. Um, I took a degree in illustration because I thought it would be the most commercially viable way to study a creative process. I thought it I thought it would have that sort of academic side to it, understanding an industry and dealing with clients, but having the freedom to explore creative expression, to um, try every creative medium, you know, pencils, paint, printmaking, fabric, 3D, you name it, they were all for it. And we had different projects on uh, illustrating for books, magazines, producing your own work. It was really, really a wide variety of um, subject matter that we got to respond to. Um, I think what university taught me the most was self-discipline more than anything, because for three years, well, I was there four years, I did a foundation diploma. Um, for four years, you're almost left to your own devices a lot of the time. You'll be given a brief, much like in the real world, say a, a magazine comes to you or a gallery comes to you and says, respond to this subject. 
you've then got to rely on your own instincts and your own experiences to produce work. And it teaches that discipline um, to really understand your working process, uh, to be able to pick up on inspiration and to kind of trust your instincts, uh, but be able to approach it in a professional manner to know that the final outcome has to be usable. It has to be workable. It has to uh, appeal to the audience that it's going to. I, I think that's what it taught me the most. Okay, that's cool. And do you think that it's important for a creative to do a degree? No, not at all. <laughs> I think I really loved it. I think it was a really good experience in some ways, and it was um, very difficult in a lot of ways. Um, I definitely haven't gone the way I thought I would with my work. When I graduated, I had a very narrow view of what my work was and where it could go and I think three years after graduating it hadn't sort of materialized I really thought that if I kept producing work I would get picked up by an agency I would get a publishing deal and I really thought that's the way I would go and I I, I think having more of an outward uh what would you call it reach you know going you know the oh, what would you call it going out and meeting people going to galleries going to exhibitions has been not more important but maybe more helpful in understanding that the art world is just so much more varied than you'll ever think it is at university like university is important in so many ways but I don't think it's the only way I do think it's hard to articulate, I guess, because I really loved it. It was really important for me, but it is possible without it. Yeah, it's about making connections and networking. Oh, that's the word. Thank you. Connection is such a simple word that yeah. I just couldn't think of. It is I, making those connections yeah. and they don't have to be highfalutin. It doesn't have to be, you know, the director of the Tate or the director of, I, I don't know. Um, it just has to be people around you almost you know the work I've gotten has been from meeting someone at a coffee shop or going to see yeah. another artist and talking to them even if you don't get work directly from them you'll gain so much valuable knowledge from just talking to people meeting them and, re and really putting oh, I hate the expression putting yourself out there yeah. I hate I hated the idea that it was it's who you know not what you know yeah but it, it's so important to just go and meet people say hi yeah, you're right. It's really true, and and I, I've really learned doing this particularly. I've learned that it's it's great just to to reach out to people because you never yeah. know. They, they, you never know. They might just say yes. Yeah, you know? yeah. What's the worst somebody's ever going to say to you is no. Yeah, and exactly. it's never personal. It's and people generally generally want to help. I love I just, when people yeah. come to me and say hi. You know, how did you do that? Or where do you work? Or how you know how did you get that done? I, I, yeah, I'm not in a competition. I'll help anyone. I think that's think that's really right. refreshing because I think a lot of artists can be very um, sacred about their work and very like yeah. they hold it close to their chest. Um, they do, yeah. I do understand. I think a lot of artists are very precious with the connections they've made. Uh, so if you have a massive list of publishers and their direct contact details, you're not going to want to palm it off into someone yeah. that hasn't done the legwork. But I, I mean, I've never had anyone ask for that. So I don't know much about that. But um, I never felt like I'm in competition with anyone else. Yeah. And the people that I have asked for help and for uh, just tidbits of information have always been very 
forthcoming. They've always been very helpful. I think that's a really, really, really good thing to see. And I, and I like that attitude. I think it's great. I think that's what leads to success and what leads to kind of, because you put a lot less pressure on yourself because you're not yeah. like, oh, I need to do better than this person or, oh, this person's better than me. You just, you're just like, okay, I'm going to do what I want to do. Yeah, I, I think there's always going to be that self-saboteur inside that says they got the job I wanted. They yeah. got the commission I wanted or their work sold before mine or why have they got more Instagram followers? It's all relative. And I guess you're only ever in competition with your past self, as long as you're yeah, like away. Yeah, I always think I like sort of if I'm feeling a bit down, like oh, I'm not not quite where I wanted to be. I always think, well, three years ago, I would have really envied my present self. Yeah, and it's that's just a really great looking at it actually. Yeah. I need to look at my life like that. That'd be great. Actually, I really do. <laughs> no, that's that's a really good piece of advice. That's actually I'm really like well, that's a really good piece of advice. <laughs> Mind blown. Yeah, yeah, I am because that's a really good point. Because like I'm very so the thing is like it's interesting because I'm not very caught up on stats, I'm not very caught up on views. I don't I'm not a big fan of those things. They're not a significant that's not, you know, that's not what I'm doing things for. Um, They're as significant as you make them, I think. Yeah, and I think that's a really interesting yeah. idea of you're only as good as your past self. That's actually really interesting. Well, I'm gonna that's gonna think about that for a while now. Um, new life motto yeah. yeah like really that's cool because like you're right there. that's just there's just so much truth in that that's really interesting yeah um, I mean I don't want to put too much pressure on like myself but I always yeah. want to kind of make my teenage self proud like oh I kept absolutely. plugging away and actually yeah. that's that's actually quite a nice consideration to make yourself proud that's really yeah. interesting rather than try to seek you know seek external validation have internal validation for yourself that's really cool. yeah absolutely yeah I mean, that's I've really interesting work that I've thought this is the best thing I've ever made ever I'm so proud of this you put it online and it doesn't get the recognition you think it deserves and yeah. it's just it doesn't mean anything it, it really doesn't I mean it's lovely when people like it of course you know it's nice to be appreciated but I, I think I'm sort of passing I like I like it I learned a lot from doing it I think it looks nice I'll frame it I'll put it on my wall you know, that's that's one of the things that's really surprised me from talking to a lot of artists, that a lot of artists have that attitude where obviously likes, comments, you know, validation is good for them and they enjoy it. Yeah. But that's not the purpose. The purpose is creating the work. And then from there, that's what, you know, like validates them is their own work and that kind of yeah. le- the, pro- the learning of doing the work as opposed to, you know, how many likes or comments or, or followers they have, you know, I think, and that's really interesting to see. Because I think, yeah. and it, you know, I, we'll, so we'll talk about it later, but it's something that I think is is important for people to, to think about. Um, so my question for you, my next question for you, is what is the biggest challenge of being an artist? Oh, my God. Um, there are so many. It's hard to choose just one. I not choose more than one. Not that it's, you know, the most difficult um, career in the world. I would say... Um, doing everything else that comes along with creating the work which is being an accountant you know doing your taxes it's um planning your week your day your year your month having a three-year plan uh managing your social media uh confidence in talking to people actually I'll choose that one having self-confidence in your own abilities and your own work which is I think the biggest struggle I've had since really? I made the leap into talking to other people about my work. Um, I think, let's say three years ago, I think was the first time I sat in a public space and drew and sold my work. And when people approached me and they said, 
who are you and what do you do? I had a very easy way to brush them off. I'd say, oh, I do pretty drawings. You know, it was very throwaway. And I think people were slightly put off by that. They didn't see me as, uh, you know, a professional working artist. And it was only when I faked the confidence. It really was a matter of faking it till you make it. I said, hi, I'm Casey. I'm a pencil artist that they engaged better. They were, oh, what do you draw? Where do you sell? And it was, I think, I'm just making out the other side of faking it till you, till you make the confidence. Um, it's that ability to say, I do this, I do that, I've sold here, I, I, I do that. And it's being proud, I think, having pride yeah. and confidence in what you do is really difficult. I think that much is true for uh, other aspects of life. But especially for an artist, I think, because art is so personal and you spend so much time on something, um, you know, artworks can become very close to your heart and to put it out into the world and talk to other people about it with the possibility of critique is a very scary thing. Um, I think actually that was uh, another good thing about university was um, being critiqued almost weekly. Yeah. That was really that was really helpful. I think I have slightly you know alligator skin to that now. I sort of crave the critique now. Um, I, I want people to say that's that's slightly wrong. Um, but I can fix that. I can I can go back and do that. So I, I like I think confidence is the hardest thing. And that actually leads me to a question I was going to ask you much much later about last year now. Um, talking about things being out of order um, is so what kind of feedback do you prefer when you post work online oh I don't people aren't very forthcoming with their critiques online I don't think I've ever had somebody say I don't like this or this isn't as good as your last one um social media is very good for uh throwaway comments like I love this this is lovely that's, I that's, do I that's really like, like literally it. me on every single account that I have <laughs> love this next one love this next one um when I when I count people's work now I try to I think engage a little bit more you know what yeah. why do I love it why does yeah. it work um which I think I would I, you know those are the comments that I really like and when people then send you a direct message just to say hello and say really love what you're working on at the moment or what are you doing next um those those are the nice comments if I want genuine critique uh my partner's also an artist so I wait till he gets oh. home Okay. And then I say, why isn't this working? Or I think I think I like this. Um, and he, I can always tell by his, either he's very quiet or his head will pop to one side. And I know I'm in for a bit of a critique, which I like. And my brother is very good at critique as well. He's, he's not in the art field at all. So I really value his. Well, absolutely. Opinion. I think that's really important. I think it's important to have critique from all walks of life and people who yes. do like art and people who don't like art. But how do you know? But how do you know who's worthy of giving you critique? Like, um, yeah, because like we've, I think most artists have definitely received critique and they haven't applied it. I think we've all been guilty of that. We've all gone, no, it's perfect as it is. Um, uh, I think there might be a sweet spot in between. I think everybody's comment is is valid in a way. Um, that's a hard one to quantify, isn't it? How people's, yeah. how much people's critiques are valuable. Um, Oh, I don't think I know the answer to that. I think I just take on board critiques and try to please everybody. <laughs> no, that's that's a that's a great answer because it's an yeah, I, answer. I think my work, all, all I've ever tried to do with my work is kind of when people look at it, I just want to make them happy and smile. I'm not a very conceptual artist. Yeah. I think my work exists. Um, it makes me happy, and I want it to make other people happy. So when people say this isn't quite working, 
I will try to fix it. Uh, I remember I had a gentleman uh, commission a portrait of himself for his birthday. It was a birthday gift to himself. It was a lovely photograph he'd taken. He was a professional photographer. Um, so I went away and I did the portrait and I showed it to him and he didn't like it. And it was the first time, only time, somebody has come back, well, not the only time, some, uh, it was the first time somebody had come back and said, you know, this isn't what, you know, I envisaged. And that was really difficult. That was, it was face to face. It was one of the most difficult conversations I've had. And he was pointing out, I don't like this over here. I don't like that. I don't like that. And it was really helpful. I went back. I did it. He was pleased with it. I learned so much from that. He was very forthcoming because he was also an artist. And uh, yeah, it was very interesting. He had a different, he, he had a very good artistic eye for what he saw in an image. And I learned so much just from that one commission that has applied to all of my work since. That's amazing. And I think that's, it's nice that it got resolved in a positive way as opposed to- you Yeah, know, yeah, I, I mean, yeah. When I, I do work a lot of work for magazines and sometimes you send it and they say, change this, change that, you know, um, which is absolutely fine. It, it comes with the job. But this is the first time when the whole image just wasn't what he had envisaged. And, um, it was, I, I had no problem with redoing it, restarting it, but I, um, for example, the main thing he came back with was he wanted more contrast, he wanted more darks, more blacks, and I think just that one critique has made me sit back and look at my work in a very different way, which is very interesting. I've, ne I've never had one critique that's changed my work so much, so I owe him a lot. Yeah, that's interesting though, because it's like, how much do other people change your work as opposed to you change your own work? That's really interesting. And that's, I think that's why commissions are an important thing. Um, yeah. I think that's very interesting because you do commissions and personal work. And I think, how do you balance the two? And how do you kind of separate the two as well? Yeah, um, I think commissions come from when people have seen your personal work and they want something of their own that kind of emulates your style. Uh, so I do a lot of portraits and a lot of pet yeah. portraits as well, which I really love doing um, because it's so personal um, and something like a, a dog portrait. Say people come to you and they want to tell you all about their pet, which yeah. is lovely. I, I really love to understand their dog's personality, what their name is, if, you know, they wear accessories, you know, they're a bit cheeky. I'll try and get that in, um, which is very different to my personal work. But um uh, what's the I, what's the difference between I guess there is no real separation between personal and commissioned work in in that sense you're I it's it's the same working process it's the same techniques I still put as much of myself into it but I think there's more of the client personality as well in a commission and there is that balance between what you would want to do and what they want. So if I'm communicating with a client via email, they will send me a hundred photos of their dog and I will whittle it down. I will put, oh, can I put in some blades of grass? Can I put in their favorite toy? Because I like my work to tell a story sometimes and I want to incorporate that into commissioned work as well. So, so what's your favorite commission you've done so far? <gasps> I get, uh, is, it, is it a commission? I get invited to uh, a lot of shows in uh, America. There's a wonderful set of galleries called Talon and Antler in Oregon, in Portland, Oregon, run by Neil and Susanna. 
and um, they uh, sent me a list of shows they had coming up that all had these wonderful titles. So there was Tondo, which was create circular work and Poison Garden, and there was Unnatural Histories. And you're sort of given free reign, and then you send the work to them, and they show them amongst some of the most incredible oh, wow. artists. I think one of the shows I really enjoyed was Unnatural Histories, which is where you had to take a myth or a legend from where you live and create an artwork around that. So That's I cool. did, uh, I live in Dorset, so I was looking at Dorset myths and legends. Um, so I live near, there's a place called Badbury Rings, which is an Iron Age hill fort. So I was looking at ghost stories from there, and there's something called the Dorset Oozer, which I can't remember. It's some sort of like buffalo-headed man with horns. Um, but I ended up doing the Portland Mer Chicken, which was a 42-foot chicken that crawled out of the water in the 18th century and terrified a load of sailors. And he had a giant hat on and a scarf. And I thought, perfect. That's exactly what I want That's to do. Right. That's yeah. amazing. And it, it was perfect because I loved drawing wildlife. So I got to look at chickens all day. It was great. And then I got to add in Dorset and I put in, um, you know, a bit of atmosphere and storytelling. So I, that was a really lovely commission. So this is completely out of order because that was something I was going to ask you later on, but we'll talk about it now. Um, so what do you look for in a client? Um, I don't know. I'd like to say yes to everybody. Um, I mean, do I you think, say yes to everybody? Yes. Yeah, I do say yes to everybody. I do. Um, I, I, I don't like, think I've... But nobody ever asked you to do something. You're a bit like... Uh... No, I've never had any strange commissions. I feel a bit sad. I've heard some <laughs> stories from other people. I want a strange request, or do I? No, I do. No. I think it'd be really fun. I think it'd be funny. Um, have I heard any strange commissions? Somebody once made a passing comment about commissioning me to draw a rainbow, knowing fully well I work in black and white. Um, <laughs> I didn't turn that one down so much as not follow it up. because uh, I, th I think it was a joke. I've had just a run of really nice commissions. I think I've been very lucky. Absolutely, yeah. If you have no horror stories from clients, you must be very lucky. No, everyone's, I, I think everyone's just been very lovely. Maybe that's I'm just very sheltered. Be very that's, lucky. Yeah, that's very good though. Obviously that says a lot about you and your work then, doesn't it? So, oh, you know. yeah, I hope so. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Because, yeah, absolutely it does. Yeah, I think it's important maybe uh, to have that consistency with your work. So when people commission you, they know what they're going to get. In oh, absolutely, yeah. The last thing you want to yeah. do is, is them to commission to do something and they get like it's not completely what they didn't want or yeah, you, you get a commission. Like a, yeah. yeah, a watercolour painting. You're just a little bit like, yeah, no yeah. yeah, No, maybe not. No, I've just been very lucky. So use the term professional artist earlier and actually that made me really curious. It's not a question I'd write down, but um, something mm. I wanted to ask actually then is, so what makes an artist a professional artist? Um, are you creating work? Yes, you are a professional artist. I think that's how yeah. I would define it. I think uh, I, 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 much like everyone else, I thought, oh, there must be like a monetary cutoff. You must make yeah, you X amount so. of money to a professional. But I don't, I think it's a mindset. I think as long as you do view yourself as what you're doing as a profession, you're a professional. I, I don't think there should be this pressure that it has to mean more than how you view yourself. So the way I describe your work is beautiful. Your work is very beautiful. Oh, thank you. It's very beautiful. It's very detailed. It's very, it's just lovely, you know, and it's, it's very different as well from the art that I'm used to saying in terms of, and I guess you broached on it earlier when you said it's, it's more natural and it's kind of real. It's more really like a reflection of the real world as opposed to yeah. 
its own world exactly um because a lot of yeah. art i look at is very kind of representational of another world that's not quite ours but yours is quite you know true to life is the best way to put it yeah, um, yeah so I, what yeah. so what um inspires you about the natural world for you to recreate that as opposed to you know man-made objects for instance yeah um nothing I, i'm gonna go against the saying that nothing is stranger than the truth i think um i'm very lucky to live in the countryside and it took me a few years after graduating to realize just how much i loved being outdoors and why aren't i creating work about this it, it was almost that sort of light bulb moment what, what am i doing why am i not doing what makes me happy you know, I love nothing more than being outdoors. You know, if I if I, I could have it my way, I'd be out on a 12-mile walk every day or <laughs> kayaking or surfing or shooting, um, but you can't. Um, so I wanted to kind of bring the outdoors in and I really just find everything about wildlife quite beautiful and quite intriguing and almost there's sort of a human reflection a lot of the time. Uh, so taking, for example, like I did a portrait of a shell duck. Uh, I just found them to have such a wonderful personality um, that I, I wanted to pay homage to them, really. Yeah, I, I, I just find I, it's hard to explain because the natural world is just it speaks for itself a lot of yeah. the time. But I like and um, I like to, for lack of a better word, converge sort of nature with the scientific aspect of it so I will yeah. do that research I think I was quite academic growing up I went to a very academic school um so I've sort of brought that along with me I won't just draw something because it looks pretty I will want to make sure that it grows in the right place so drawing the shells up the plants are where it breeds it's where it lives the shells are where it lives on in in the in the um waterways um I like the correctness of my work I like making sure everything has a place and, it, and it's telling the story of that ecology of that environment the biodiversity so when I do a collection of shells because I spend a lot of time around the coast um each one to me is telling its own story it has a history you know that sort of cockle might have traveled hundreds of miles we don't know and then I've drawn fossils you know, nothing is more amazing than picking up this sort of, what would you call it, ghost of a bygone era. And, and that's just really, came homage to that. Dude, that's really cool, because one of the words I write down about your work is discovery. Your work seems to be about discovery. Yeah, I've um, never used that word. I like that. <laughs> and I, I Thank was, you. And the reason I said that is because when I looked at your, obviously I've been on your website, but when I looked at the coastal section, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Oh. Um, I assumed it was going to be landscapes of like the coast. Yeah. Um, and it yeah, wasn't. I, yeah. I and think. I was, yeah. I understand. Yeah. And what then I really was like, and I, and I was that. actually quite, I was quite struck by that. Cause I was like, you know what, actually that's really interesting. Cause it's not about the coast itself. It's about what you discover along the coast. And I was like, yeah, Oh, that's really the interesting. Little the little objects can tell the whole story of a place. So I did a drawing about um, Shell Bay, which is down in Studland. And it was, oh God, they have how many different varieties of shells that tell the whole story of just that one tiny stretch of coastline. So instead of showing 
the coast in its entirety. It's just that one, if you look down at your feet, that's what I kind of wanted to capture with my coastal collections. You look down at your feet, you see a whole different world in yeah. itself. Yeah, your work is very refreshing. Oh, thank you. I like, like that. Like it, no, like it really is. Like I look at a lot of art, you can probably imagine. I look at a lot of art every day. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I look at a lot of portraits, I look at a lot of landscapes, I look at, obviously, well, because they're kind of the main precedents of art, I guess. But, uh, you know, your work is definitely, it's just, I don't know, it's just different. And I like that. Um, for me, at least, Thank like, you. maybe to other people it's not, but for me, it's very different. It's very different to what I look at. And it's very different mm. to what I would say I, I don't, I'm not saying I don't like your work, but it's, it's like, I have, I've kind of come to realise what my certain aesthetic is in terms of what I like. Yeah. And yours is very different from what I like, but that's kind of yeah. why I like it. Yeah. No, it's very interesting. It's, it's like music. I mean, most of us have sort of like a genre we like listening to, but then there'll be yeah. occasional like 90s rap thrown in there or like yeah. Gregorian <laughs> chant or ABBA. Yeah. You know, yeah, you, it's, sometimes you can't pinpoint or explain it away. I think what you like is what you like a lot of the time. <laughs> it's such a really inelegant. So your work is monochromatic, which <laughs> is, well, mostly. I think there are some stuff you do in colour There's as well. a few... But mostly monochromatic and I was that's actually super curious I was really curious about that so is there a reason for that um it's kind of lack of a reason I think um when I was at university as I said we were very encouraged to try every different creative medium and I really found it difficult to move away from drawing and pencils there was something that just caught me really I mean we all draw growing up but when I started using pencils in one project and treated them as a medium as opposed to just a means of sketching. It changed it for me. Um, and there was so much I had to learn to use them. I think I was just really surprised because we think of them as they are. They're very, very simple tools. They're very accessible, but they're also exceptionally complex and they are a professional tool. And um, I started using pencils as a way to teach myself tone and contrast, yes, which absolutely. is what a lot of artists do. They will start a sketch in black and white and then add color on top. And I just never really moved on for it. I never covered them up with paint or colored pencils or gouache or whatever. Um, I think maybe I, I would like to introduce more color into my work, but for the moment, I'm just still really entranced by the effectiveness of of black and white and I think they're timeless um oh, yeah, absolutely. I think yeah color fashions do come and go and um color can evoke different uh, emotions in people but I do think there's something universal about black and white and yeah. I mean you can't see it now but on the wall opposite my um, behind my computer sorry you've got the most boring view of my white <laughs> wall um I have um some cutouts from the punch uh magazine so black oh, and white wow. And we have a lot of um, uh, etchings and um, old sketches framed downstairs. I think I realised I was always collecting black and white images. And I think it was just, it just happened. I'm just curious because as you said earlier, like colour can really add emotion to an image. And I think um, it's really interesting to see people work without colour. And it also gives your work a lot more depth, I think, because, you know, as you said, it's about tone. There's a lot more depth there. It almost creates like an otherworldly feeling sometimes. It can be almost quite poetic, I think. And you really can achieve amazing. Um, this isn't just speaking from my own work and myself. Many artists still use, you know, black and white in different mediums. And I'm, I just, I'm just drawn to them. I, I just think there's something so magical about monochromatic work. 
Also, I guess it takes out the um, kind of, it sounds really weird, but probably like the filler of the image. Like you see the image and it's obvious way it is, you know, yeah. and you, you get a chance to seal the details without any kind of color getting in the way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm really trying to push my practice at the moment. I've got an A1 drawing, um, wow. which is <laughs> yeah, a third of the way finished. And it's been a real task. And I'm really trying to push, you know, tonal values, texture, uh, atmosphere. Oh, it's difficult in black and white. I can't imagine the extra layer of difficulty that would come with doing it in colour. So I do admire and really respect people that work in colour. It's a whole different kettle of fish. Um, so actually, it's something about that. Could you talk a bit about your process then? So how do you <laughs> go about start? Like, so how do you know what will become a good image, first and foremost? Like, how do you choose what will be an image? Yeah, I think like most artists, you don't really know when inspiration is going to strike. You kind of have to be ready to jot the idea down, quickly sketch it out or put it in like a memory bank. You can't predict when inspiration is going to strike. So I'll, I'll take the shell duck for, you know, as an example. It was I was out on a walk down in uh, Keyhaven, which is in Hampshire, and they have these beautiful, I think they're marshes. Yeah, yeah, marshes. Um, and I think I saw like no less than 25 different species of birds that day. Wow. And the one that really caught my eye was the shell duck. It just had the most beautiful white body with these like flashes of color and geometric almost feather patterns. And it was just nestled amongst these reeds and rushes. And I just thought that ah, I want to get that on paper. I need yeah. to draw him he's beautiful. And I didn't have a sketchbook on me, which is a horrible confession. I really should keep one on me. Um, uh, I'll make a promise to keep one on me. And um, I got home and I quickly sketched out, it was a really simple uh, pencil sketch of the Sherlock in profile. And I thought, I want to work from that. And I just read every book I could about this bird, Googling it, watching YouTube videos. Um, wow. I write down everything I can find out about this bird, you know, um, where it travels from. Uh, where it lays its eggs, what's, what it eats. And then I will sketch maybe like 20 or 30, just thumbnails. You know, what do I want the image to say? What, what is the image's purpose? What, what am I trying to add to this bird's being? You know, the, you know it's all very well if I'd have just drawn the bird, then, you know, I, I kind of want to say a bit more. So it was trying to, it's, it's that, balance between uh, the artwork kind of has to have a purpose and it has to be beautiful. It has, it has to want to say something a little bit. And doing those 20 or 30 thumbnails uh, and asking everyone, what do you think works in this? Uh, perhaps I rely on other people too much. What do I like about this one? What don't I like about that one? And then the thumbnails will get bigger or maybe just take two or three a bit further and then whittle it down to two and then I'll settle on one thumbnail and then I draw a bit bigger it's just a sequence of slightly larger thumbnails until I get what I think is the perfect you know uh, composition that's really it does everything I want it to yeah that's really interesting though because it's that's really interesting because it's not just a case of okay yeah I've seen this bird I like it let's just draw it it's like yeah. okay so and it's it's really interesting to hear you do so much research about the actual things you draw yeah which is I, I really like that process I mean I think my my shelves downstairs are you know it's the Collins dictionaries for plants and wildlife and the RSPB yeah, book and uh, lots of artist books about birds that I constantly refer to I love to go back and look at how other artists have treated 
different subject matter. Um, I think that's really important, uh, not necessarily to take inspiration from them, but to understand um, how they went about doing doing their work and what they were trying to say with their work. You know, you know, uh, something like I've got one on the floor, um, like Colburn. Is this Colburn? I've got one. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> looking through my books this is Michael Warren's Shorelines and he has a beautiful painting of a green heron in Connecticut I'll show you it's really nice yeah, and um so it doesn't look anything like my work but there was something about that that really inspired me just seeing this green heron you know nestled amongst the rushes and that's kind of what I wanted to evoke and just yeah taking not inspiration is the wrong word it's almost like, ah, I don't know how I would explain it. I just collecting all of your life experiences, I guess, and yes, interests yes. into one thing. Yes, because art's a very responsive kind of creative outlet. Like, you know, very you're very you respond to the environment you're in. Yeah, yeah. I I just want to pay homage to these beautiful places and beautiful things and beautiful animals, um, and I. I yeah, I do take a lot of photographs as well while I'm out and about and then like to refer back to those. They're normally quite helpful. Um, and I do use Photoshop a lot of the time to compile different elements, which helps a lot with uh, making compositions. Um, that's been a very useful tool. Um, and once I've got the image that I think is going to work, drawing that out into a piece of paper, cleaning up the lines and giving myself uh, as clean a starting point as I can. And once that drawing's down, I, so going more into the working process, I start with the, what I think will be the most difficult thing. Okay. I like to get that out of the way. I know you should work <laughs> left to right or, but I start with the most, it's your work. <laughs> yeah, there's no right or wrong answer. I, I will start with an element that I think is the most difficult, or I will start with the, this is more technical. I will start with the darkest area. Once I get the oh. darkest grays and blacks down, I then have my base and I can then work quite comfortably in the knowledge that I kind of know what I'm doing from there. Yeah, that's it, because people's eyes are going to be drawn to the darker parts of the image. Yeah, I, as I said, that that um, commission I had where he really got me thinking about the contrast in my work and he was right. I mean, I learned so much from that. So I will start with the darkest darks, then I will do a bright white, the closest one next to it and then you have your two extremes in your work and that's what I think creates drama. So how often do you revisit your past work and how much <laughs> does, that, does that inform your future work? Um, yeah it does yeah um, I mean I have bits of my work around the house I don't know if that's a bit weird um, no, and obviously all my sketchbooks are in one place but I think it's because I still think some of my past work might be better than the work I'm creating now. And I go back and I go, why do I prefer that? Why did that work? And yeah, I like to look back at it. I think self-reflection is very important, you know, to, even if it's just for a confidence boost to see how far you've come. So does the meaning of an image, or, I mean, at least your work, does that come before or after creating it? Um, I don't know. Perhaps a little bit of both. Um, if I wanted to say one thing with my work and it ends up saying that plus another, I think that's really nice. Or if people can attach new meanings to it, which is also really lovely. People have to say, you know, can I purchase a print of that or the original? It reminds me of such and such. 
or it really says something about um, the world or the, the time it's created in. I think that's really lovely. I mean, I drew a tiny portrait of a heron um, because I just found him the most striking bird and somebody bought it and they told me a really funny story that um, it reminded them of the time a heron got into their kitchen. And uh, I was like, okay, now that has a completely different meaning and I now attach that story to my work. And you do sort of, yeah, as you're working on something, say you're like 100 hours in to a drawing, you start developing new meanings to it. I, I think it's really nice because it is a working process. And I think I, I think the work would become quite stagnant if you said this work is going to be about X, Y, Z. And at the end, it's still about just X, Y, Z. I think it'd be very weird. I, I, I Yeah. So that's interesting that your work has a very like narrative it's, it's very narrative based without trying to be narrative based that's really yeah it's I, I think it's still quite illustrative yeah I, I think I like that sort of nature science with a bit of storytelling and a bit of drama in it I like yeah, to that. yeah I like to tell a story because these creatures have their own lives to go right. off and do you know the coastline has you know has a whole life cycle which I think is amazing and I want to put that story in just by using objects so why art? Why is art a good medium to do, to explore, say, like the ah. life of the coast, for instance? Right. Um, art is a universal language, I think. Um, you don't have to be able to speak the artist's language to understand their work most of the time, um, which is true for visual media, um, auditory you know, music. Um, you can just, yeah, you can attach your own meanings to a lot of art. Um, or maybe no meaning at all. You can just like it. <laughs> yeah, it's a universal language. I think that sort of goes beyond uh, societal, cultural, and financial boundaries. You don't have to be brilliant at something to enjoy art. Yeah. You you don't have to like build up a skill to enjoy it. Does that make sense? That just makes sense. Yeah, of course. And that's a really yeah. good answer. That's a. I was actually <laughs> planning to ask that question. So that's a very good answer. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's a very good answer. Yeah, it's for everyone. Because I'm, yeah, I'm always curious about why artists choose to do art. Like, why do you choose to draw as opposed to, say, taking a photograph or making a film? Like, why? Yeah. You know, no, I'm always I mean, curious. I, yeah, I mean, I still get asked that question. If you just draw something figurative, why is that? Why haven't you just taken a photograph? Yeah. But then you're sort of doing photography a disservice, which is another art form, yes. you know. Yeah. That's photography you know I try my best with photography but that's a, that's a skill in itself um but, but I'm a photographer so yes I don't understand it at all I just bought a zoom lens and I've beyond my capabilities um yeah I still get asked that why have you drawn you know representative art and hyperrealism uh, a lot of the artists still get you know questioned why have you you could have just taken a photograph well, yes, I yeah. could have done, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, drew it. I painted I mean, it. And to be honest, I'll be very honest. I, I might cut this bit out. Who knows? Um, but I have a lot of conversations with a lot of artists about hyperrealism, and a lot of people are a bit like, "Oh, well, it's just a, it's a good skill, isn't it?" Uh, yeah, it's an amazing skill. But then that's it. That's what they feel. They feel like it's just oh, okay. like, yeah, it's just yeah. Like, oh, it's a nice skill. You know, it's a bit showy. Um, yeah. But I think it's interesting because your work is very representational and it it is curious because, yeah, you could have just taken a picture of it, but you didn't. So it's about really yeah. the process for you, I guess. 
you know it's about yeah, your it's, it's about yeah. your learning of what you're what you're, what you're drawing yeah I think when you yeah how would you put it? you're giving it another life almost yes it looks exactly if you're doing something hyper realistic it looks exactly like a photograph but you've created it again you it, it's it's still expression yeah. it, it's still a creation of something it's an incredible skill absolutely and like some of the works I've seen that have been hyper realistic just unbelievable I can't imagine the hours and the attention to detail that goes into it, it must go cross-eyed a lot of the time um but I, this, yeah still beautiful artworks and I would you know happily have a massive one on my wall <laughs> so do you paint in a studio or do you paint in the real world in my studio um no I do take if I have if it's a nice sunny day because it's England uh, yeah. drawing outside <laughs> is not an, it's not easy um no. if you live in a warm climate I'm sure that's you know a lovely thing to be able to do um but if I if it's a nice sunny day and I'm going to treat myself to a day out by myself I will go and sit on a hillside somewhere and I will take a sketchbook I don't know if I particularly learn anything from it or informs my work but it's just really nice for the soul, <laughs> for the mind. Yeah, because drawing is, I guess, my job. It's my profession. And to go out and do it in a relaxed manner uh, is quite helpful. And it takes that pressure away from... Sometimes when I'm drawing, I think, it's I've got to do this today, I've got to get that finished today. But if you go out with a sketchbook and you just draw for the sake of drawing, is really lovely. Yeah, because that leads to new work. It leads to new ideas. leads to kind of new adventures. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you might, yeah, it can inspire just completely out of the box ideas that you'd never think of. Um, but most of my work is very studio based. I've got my two easel set up, uh, my white wall space. So I did an interview with an artist called Mark Thompson, and one thing he mm. said about working in a studio is the idea of being lonely. Um, and I don't know yeah. if you can talk a bit about that. About and I saw that I've never yeah. really thought about. Talk about you know because you're with yourself all the time. You know you you work yeah. by yourself in a studio. Can you talk a bit about that? Sure. Um, I've been working in a studio since graduating, so 2014, so this is my seventh year of doing it. And I don't think oh. I've gone mad yet. Um, <laughs> you definitely do get those days where maybe something hasn't gone quite right and being by yourself in the studio can get quite intense, I think, on the brain. Um, and uh, everyone has the different <laughs> coping mechanisms, sounds awful, but a lot of people listen to the radio or music or they pop the TV on. Um, but I'm lucky enough that I really enjoy what I do and I'm quite disciplined and that I can say I have to work from nine to five today and I have to get it done. Um, and I've been quite um, lucky to be able to be self-disciplined, I think. I mean, I watch a lot of TV while I work. I wish I could say I listen to, you know, highfalutin, highbrow music and, you know, the news, but I don't. I watch TV. I watch a lot of like Drag Race, Homes Under the Hammer, uh, comedy, Blackadder, you know, Bottom, things like that. Yeah. Uh, do you think that informs your work in a way? Oh, maybe. Yeah, I suppose. Mm, possibly. What do you think? I don't see much of Rick Mail in my work. I wish I did. I think... Um, I think subconsciously it will. I think what you, yeah, uh, yeah, what you're listening to, or what you're reacting to, or what your mind's responding to, will have some kind of impact upon. Yeah, what you're I, yeah. I guess I hadn't realised if mostly I do watch all those like rubbish daytime TV, but I also 
sort of search out bizarre off the wall documentaries <laughs> about completely random subjects. You know, I could sit down and listen to an hour about sea slugs and then the history of, uh, I don't know, snakes or <laughs> uh, how's it made, you know, chimney pots, completely bizarre. Yeah, yeah. random <laughs> and I really like just learning these weird semi-useless facts yeah but, but I facts- guess, yeah absolutely I think that's a funny thing because actually when I was younger like how it's made was like the bane of my life because I hated that but now I'm like actually it's quite interesting it's the most it's the most brilliant program and I love like, it how's yeah. spring made always yeah. wanted to know and now I know uh, yeah that's and it's just things you don't think about and you're like oh okay you never need to know that in a million years but it's still interesting yeah, absolutely. But you know, you know, I've flipped wildly from documentaries about North Korea to pyramids, yeah, snakes, uh, how to grow an orchid. I don't know how's MDF made. You know, just <laughs> from one to the next. I think uh, my best advice I'd give for trying not to be too lonely and too introspective when you're working in a studio or a home studio environment is try to get out of the house at least once a day, just for a five minute walk around the block really helps just that bit of fresh air, you yeah. know, in the lungs and getting away from the computer screen and the same four walls is really helpful. And sometimes, just, yeah, sometimes if you've got lots of work to do, you will get it done. Just go and treat yourself to a, a cup of tea. Somewhere yeah, yeah. being kind to yourself, I think, is very important. Uh, that whole self care sort of thing, it sounds like a load of hokey sometimes, but it, it is very important. Just be kind to yourself. And uh, sometimes uh, working nine to five doesn't work out. Yeah, go and talk yeah. to someone. <laughs> no, I agree with that. I think that's, that's really good advice because I think. You know, a lot of people put, you know, a lot of self-imposed pressure on themselves to create stuff and to, to yeah. you know, force themselves to create because they have that time. And, you know, time is such a precious resource for anybody, particularly artists. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. That's Absolutely. Sense. There is that pressure to, you know, as I said earlier, when if I'm sat down, I'm like, oh, I'm a bit bored today. You sort of berate yourself. You're like, you shouldn't be bored. You could be furthering your art career. You could be doing your social media. You could be responding to emails. Sometimes it's it's okay to be bored and a bit, you know, lackluster, as it were. Absolutely. So do you find being an artist liberating or isolating or a bit of both? Oh, I think more liberating. I think I'm very lucky in that I'm quite close to my family and my friends and my partner is that they're all very, um, we're all very close. And I have a lot of friends in the art field as well. Um, so I don't think I've ever felt isolated. I think I've just had a really good support network. I've been very lucky in that sense that people have always understood um, kind of what I'm aiming to achieve. Um, and because a lot of people are in the same position as me. So I've always been able to um, empathise with them. And I've always had people empathising with me in my situation sometimes. Um, as many artists, you know, you have troughs and peaks in your career and your, and your year. And I, I don't think I've ever felt like I'm alone, which, which has been very lucky. And I think if you do find yourself in that situation, uh, I know it's easy to say and harder to do, but reaching out to other artists has been sometimes a lifeline to me. Just asking someone, you know, I just need a bit of help right now. What do you think I should be doing? Or how did you create that work? Or how did you get that dream client? Uh, because if you don't know, you don't know, and that can be quite isolating. Because I think art is so such a weird profession because there's no rule book. 
There's okay. no one writing down, do X, Y, Z, get this job to get the exposure. And then there's no ladder in essence. There's no right or wrong path. You have to rely on yourself. And that is isolating. But asking other people, being inquisitive will be really liberating because it, it will just help you. That's a beautiful answer. That's a very good oh, thank answer. Thank you. No. As I said, I'm always open for people just asking me any questions about art or what I do online. You know, no, no, there's no such thing as a stupid question. Oh, no, I agree completely. I completely agree. And that's what, see, that's what I love. I love the idea community. It's something yeah. that I've realised is really important. Yeah, and almost taking a chance that other people are nice. Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. No, nobody's out to, like, sabotage you or to be mean. No. Um, which is the best, I think, is the advice that I give to people most often. You want to sell work in that gallery, ask them. Absolutely. You know? It might be, you say know, no. you just have, yeah, I mean, you might, they might say no, but it's never personal. They're not yeah. out to attack you. It would just be wrong for them at that moment. And then you can ask them, why not? Or, yeah. you know, in the amazing scenario, they say, yes, isn't that wonderful? You've, you've done it. Absolutely. I think. That's the best advice I can give for trying not to feel like art is isolating is that it is a really, really big community and it does cross borders and oceans. Um, is that we're all trying to work together to just share what we love doing. So do you feel like you are part of a wider art community? Yeah, which is really nice. And only I think since I've been invited to some international shows have I felt like um, in some ways that what I'm doing uh kind of belongs without yeah um it is a difficult one because some of the communities are quite disparate from each other you know there there are different kinds of art communities yeah. you know what gets into like the RA summer show is very different to what gets into like a local gallery that's they're, they're very different communities and there's communities of working illustrators and communities of working photographers but we're all kind of working towards the same goal which is just celebrating art in its different forms and I I hosted a, a, a show a couple of years ago I hosted a summer show with my partner where we invited um local artists to show their work and that was nice to create I, we kind of created our own community with with those yeah. people when we had a woodworker that wasn't particularly selling his work on any any platform and then we had some really well-established printmakers and fabric designers paper cut artists we had ceramics and it was really wonderful to see all these different art forms come together and it kind of created its own little community for a while which is really nice yeah because you never know who you're going to meet and I think that's what really fascinates yeah. me about the art world is you know it you know ego aside you just don't know who you're going to meet no um, and it, yeah art doesn't belong to one kind of person yeah. It's not just for the art graduates. It's it's everyone. It's, you know, um, retired people working in their beautiful cottage out in the countryside. It's yeah. students in central London. It's, um, I, I, I don't know, young people working down in Cornwall and up at the top of Scotland. It's, it's everyone. And when those communities come together, it's really quite exciting. Absolutely. So my next question um, is actually not my question. But okay, so there's an artist I interviewed called uh, Simona Resheva, um, okay. and she creates really lovely, these really lovely portraits. Um, and on her Instagram, she put a post on her Instagram, and in her post, she asked a question. And I read the question, I was like, this is such a good question. So I messaged her and I said, listen, can I use this question on one of my interviews? I said, I reference you, but can I use it? And she said, sure. So this is her question. Okay. But she has, but there's a period of text before it. So 
So okay, text says, so it says, it sounds quite hard to detach yourself from what you create and try to see it from a different perspective. It is, however, very easy when you give yourself a break from looking at the work. And when you see it again, it sometimes looks like a completely different one. And the question, do you think that time changes our perception of the works or do we ourselves change and that translates into the work? I like that question. It's a very deep question. Um, and I'm going to be very diplomatic and say both. I think as artists, we're constantly evolving as well people evolve don't we all change um sort of day to day but we don't see the change until we reflect on the past I still think I'm the same as I was when I was 10 or you know when people ask you your age and you sometimes say oh I'm 20 what no no I'm not I'm, I'm 28 you know we yeah. forget <laughs> how much we've changed and um so I think possibly more we change I, I think and you do, you you respond to media and art in completely different ways as you get older. You perhaps see more meaning behind things or perhaps you see less. Um, perhaps you attach a deeper meaning to things through life experiences. I mean, we've all just gone through a completely disturbing and difficult time through COVID. So I think looking back at possibly, you know, really classical paintings, or depictions of the Spanish flu, we're all going to feel completely different about that. We're going to find yeah. these weirder meanings. I mean, there are all these wonderful paintings of people in quarantine and the Spanish flu from the past, and there are all these like people lounging about on chairs, you know, looking bored. And I don't think I've ever understood that as much as I do now. <laughs> I just thought, well, that's weird. Surely they'd all be panicking and you know, hiding in corners. But now I understand what you know that was correct. Adding in corners, I like that. So I, th I, I think, yeah, I think life experiences um, and just being a human, I think, probably changes our perspective on work and our own work. And talking about COVID, actually, so how has um, COVID-19 affected you and your work? Yeah, uh, the first lockdown as an artist was immediately quite scary because I had some wonderful exhibitions lined up that were all cancelled, which was uh, difficult. Um, but then the online community kind of really pulled together for the first lockdown. There was this wonderful sort of rallying behind artists to support us, which was wonderful. There was the artist support pledge. So for you sold artworks up to the price of 200 and then past a thousand, you then buy someone else's work. And so we got to purchase some really beautiful artworks, which was lovely. And again, creating that new community, which never would have happened if not for COVID. But without trying to sound too positive about the situation because it was a negative yeah, situation for many people um it, yeah it is it was a difficult time to sort of be proud of uh having a tenacity but at the same time being respectful that it is a really bad situation um and I think if I can take what if I have taken one good thing from the pandemic is that I've started to view my work in terms of where I want to be in one, two or three years, I think I've started to plan in a really different way. I mean, you can't see, but I've got plastered up on my wall, you know, pages of A4 of just plans for myself because I needed to give, I needed to, I, I started to try and rely on myself rather than outside sources for work. So instead of relying on upcoming exhibitions or shows or open calls, I started to think about creating those opportunities for myself so I've started planning uh I think two uh solo shows coming up or group shows um creating yeah creating the opportunities for myself rather than re relying on 
other people to give them because we don't know what's going to happen. That's amazing. That's really amazing. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, you know, very lucky that I have a really beautiful view at my studio of a line of trees in the countryside. So I wasn't really stuck for inspiration. I still had a bank to draw on. I mean, I couldn't go out and walk and find inspiration in the traditional way that I like to. Um, I had to sort of create my own from things I could remember, you know, remembered experiences and photographs and things I've jotted down and, you know, reading books in free time. Because I, I have a, a, a secondary job at the weekend. I work in a gallery. Oh, wow. um, so I had that as free time. And um, yeah, I think it was, it was a weird time, wasn't it? <laughs> Still is. I think it was kind of, although heartbreaking, it was wonderful in the first lockdown just to see how much help was given when asked for it and even when it wasn't asked for I mean you know our town has a Facebook page and just to see the immediate response was really lovely and I think very heartwarming um and I think I just felt I've never felt more lucky that I get to do what I love as a job and it's really interesting because everybody I've spoken to so far and I've asked that question too um, everyone's had a very positive experience from what is essentially a very negative you know year really a lot of artists have um, kind of really I don't want to say benefited from it because that makes it sound very trivialized but you know it's been um it's been the time has been good like the time having that time yeah has been yes which which we wouldn't have had um I yeah I think for me uh 2020 I had so many plans and that I had put this pressure on myself to just have this upwards trajectory and when everything stopped that trajectory disappeared it just fizzled out and it as I said, it was immediately quite scary. But after a while, I was kind of like, oh, this could be quite good. I, I can relax. I can just create for the sake of creating and do what I want to do and really focus on honing my skills and uh, not giving myself that pressure that everything I have to create has to be sellable or, you know, plowing money into getting prints and cards and frames like I would be doing. It was a time to really relax into my own work a little bit. And I actually... Because there was nothing else to do. Yeah, and actually, could you talk a bit about, you touched on it earlier, actually, but now mm-hmm. probably might be a good time to ask. So the other stuff you have to do outside of just creating the art itself, in terms of, like, as you just said, you know, making prints, making cards, connecting. So what other kind of hats do you have to wear as an artist other than creating the work? Yeah, uh, really fun ones. So answering emails. Uh, no, uh, emails, going to meet people. Uh, there's a very personal, professional, personable, professional side to it. Um yeah, a, a lot of emails. I yeah, think yeah. When, admin is yeah. a full-time job. <laughs> yeah. When I first spoke to professional artists and I said, you know, what's your timeline? And they said, well, 20% creating artwork and 80% emails. I thought they were over-exaggerating. But they <laughs> weren't. Uh, I think my time's probably about 50-50. Uh, so there's that side of it, which I would call admin. And then you have your accountancy side of it which is an ongoing learning process of keeping a ledger. My grandfather was a, owned a pharmacy years ago and he told me to always keep a physical copy of your accounts. And that's been, that's really good advice. If I can give it to anyone, keep a physical documentation of your business account, what's coming in, what's going out. And it will give you a really, really good insight into how your business is, is running. Um, and then I suppose you have your social media hat, which is a very, very difficult one and it doesn't fit very well and um, it's kind of awkward and I don't really know what I'm doing just yet I think it's a difficult beast to tame social media um 
the more effort you put into it, the more you get out, essentially. The more meaningful comments, likes, follows, engagement that you give, the more you will receive. And I think that's just the way algorithms work. But it's also quite nice to give back to your art community. If you see something you like, tell that person. That yeah. I think that's really important. Uh, and for yourself as well. It's nice to be appreciated and to appreciate. It's almost like that, yeah. you know. Absolutely. Give, I you know, agree. Give gifts to give them, not to receive. Yeah. Um, but social media, I think, is important to remember that it's never a reflection of, of, of real life ever. It's a very curated, very, I wouldn't say dishonest. I, I think I would just say curated. Social media, social media is a very curated representation of somebody's life and their work. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to put up, you know, a photo every day of me working at my desk with a cup of tea. I think people would get very sick of that. But that's the reality of it. It's, you know, an eight hour stretch at the easel. But you just want to show people the lovely work at the end, um, because I guess that's kind of what it's all about. Um, I think, are those all the hats? I think those are the hats. Yeah. (laughs) So why do you think that, like, the business side of art? And particularly when you said about taxes and you're saying about keeping yeah. hedges, why do you think that's very under-discussed? Why do you think that's never really kind of present on social media or very kind of at the forefront? Because that's really the most important part. Yeah, I've seen only a handful of artists really discuss that. And that's kind of when we had visiting artists at university, I always asked them that. Thinking back, I hope it wasn't too rude, but I always said, would you mind if I ask you a few questions about the financial or the business side of what you do? And they were always quite you know, okay to chat about things. And um, because it's it's quite awkward. And I think being English as well, we're kind uh-huh. of taught that we, we don't talk about our incomes or our outgoings or how we live, um, because it's I suppose seen as a bit vulgar. But I think for an up-and-coming artist, I would still consider myself to not established. I'd consider I would always consider myself as emerging. I don't think there's an end yeah. point. So um I'm, you know, it's, I think finances and business is quite awkward. Nobody really knows what they're doing, I don't think. Of course. Maybe. Of course. Yeah, we're, we're just trying, I think. Yeah, nobody really talks about it. I think it's awkward and it can be uncomfortable, and we don't want to show that rather vulnerable side of ourselves. We like the mystique, I think, that we but, can put around ourselves as artists. But do you think that becomes a problem because it creates an illusion of that art's just about creating really nice work and selling work real quickly? Um, because, yeah. Because, you, know, you, you know, you lose the kind of... And this is kind of what I was trying to do with this platform is that you lose the kind of process of being an artist and kind of like the... Yeah. The hard work that is to become yeah. an artist because it's not just painting really great images or drawing really great images and selling them. It doesn't work like that. Yeah, um, there is a veneer, I suppose, isn't there? Yeah. That all artists put up, because we just want to be seen as these expressive, creative people. Yeah. But there's this whole boring side, well, not boring, because there are many accountants out there that absolutely love it, absolutely. But difficult, I would say, and rather academic side to it that isn't quite as exciting or romantic or poetic as the artwork. And yeah. I think a lot of artists, some artists are very lucky to have somebody handle their business side of things. Yes. But I kind of like being in charge of that myself. Um, I like sort of, not setting myself goals as such, but being aware of what's happening, I I, I kind of like, yeah. Yeah, I I guess- If anyone wants to, uh, you know, apply to be an accountant for free, that's fine. But (laughs) I take the offer. 
<laughs> I think that's a that's a good point though because it's like personally I'm a very I'm not a control freak but like everything I do for the fine fruit bowl I do myself so yeah. all the you know all the cover art all of the music for the podcast or podcast or the interviews the interviews yeah. themselves you know everything you know emailing everybody all the admins I do everything myself it's just a one-man show yeah um, and do you get like a sort of like self-satisfaction from those days where you've just done numbers or emails I think I, I get quite a kick out of that sometimes you feel like you've achieved something yeah like there's something about it that I wouldn't want to give somebody else control of that without my approval um, yeah it's also it's still such a an important part of being an artist is those emails and those invoices you send yeah. and um agreements I don't know I guess a weird sense of pride doing a tax return or uh sending an invoice because it's one of those things as like a teenager you think oh I'm never gonna get to that stage where I have to send an invoice and then you've sent your like 30th one and you're like yeah yeah absolutely yeah. I think it's because absolutely. of the day's representation of you isn't it which is the representation of your work yeah yeah that's why but I think control yeah, control is a really interesting consideration because uh, there's a lot of artists I email and I don't realize they have like managers. So when I send them an yeah. email, their manager gets back to me and says, oh, we've spoken to this artist and they'd love to feature your work, feature their work and stuff. And I'm like, oh, I thought I was emailing the artist. And yeah. they're not. Okay, so my next question, it's, um, so I listen to a lot of art podcasts, which is funny because yeah. obviously I do interviews, so it's funny. Um, and I was listening to a podcast yesterday, actually. Uh, it's called Art Grind. Um, episode 59 because I'd really love to reference what I what I listen to um, and there's yeah. an artist called Tim Lowley um, and in it he was talking about that he only really creates work when he has an exhibition coming up or he has a purpose to create work yeah. and as yeah. somebody and as somebody such as yourself who is a very busy um, how do you find creating work outside of creating for exhibitions like do you find it easy to create work um, I think my work is still 50-50. I think this has been a weird two years where I've just had a, a string of commissions and gallery work. It has been lovely, but I've definitely had those years and months, uh, months and years, where I've just been creating for myself and for the hopes that somebody will love it and, you know, buy it from me. Um, that It's such a crazy concept to me that an artist can sit down and create and somebody will buy it. That's, it's like an amazing thing, isn't it? It it's not it it's not something I don't think we were taught at university that you can just create work that people will buy like that's yeah. a viable career um I just enjoy drawing I think I'm very lucky in that respect that I'm quite happy to sit at my desk and just create for the sake of creating and I think as I said earlier if you've created something and you think it's really beautiful and it doesn't get the respect it does on social media or well, not respect, doesn't get the admiration you think it deserves on social media or immediate sales, I think I'm okay with that now. So, um, how, so how do you stay motivated to keep creating, though? Oh, I think just keeping so inspired by different things. And, yeah, I, I, I have too many things I want to draw and never enough time to do them. I've got such a massive list of work I wanted to create this year and... We're already almost into May. Um, mm. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think I've ever lacked for want of inspiration or things to do. because I've always got a backlog of ideas. Yeah, but I say it's more, yeah, it's more the opposite. Like, that's, see, that's interesting because when I was younger, I was like, what am I going to do if I run out of ideas? 
and I actually have, yeah. and I'm looking at them now. I've got about three different sketchbooks filled of notes of different pictures I want to take. Uh, yeah. None of which I'm going to ever take anytime soon. But I've always <laughs> yeah. got something I want to work towards. Um, yeah. And then I think of new ideas, you know, almost every day. And I think it's it's yeah. interesting how yeah. you just kind of choose. You've got like a choose you know, what you want to do next. Yeah, and then yeah. like it, and then that will inspire something completely different that you didn't think about, and that will take you on a whole different kind of you know artistic tangent. And then yeah. you revisit another idea back later and you're like, oh yeah, okay, let's create something about this. And I think that's fascinates me. Yeah, me too. I'm, I, I think back to, was it 2018? I think I just wanted to draw a puffin. So I drew a puffin and that completely changed my artistic trajectory. And now I'm just obsessed with British ornithology. And I that wasn't something I planned or thought about, but it was just that one drawing, that one spark of inspiration that just sparked a whole different tangent and, yeah. you know, changed what I do. And I'm sure it will happen again. I'm sure of it. I'm it actually, that's like super curious. So I wonder if, I wonder if you'll be creating the what you create if you were born somewhere else. Yeah, I always think that because I love British wildlife I think it's very um, underrepresented I agree with that. because it's quite demure and it's quite gentle and it's got yeah. those you know so we think of like soft browns and greys and uh, our wildlife isn't out to kill you like <laughs> most of the world's wildlife um so you know there are beautiful paintings of you know brightly colored parrots flamingos you know whales dolphins you know snakes and our wildlife that is quite gentle I think of Beatrix Potter kind yes. of yeah um, that's a great that's a great as, yeah and um I, I wonder what it'd be like if I was born I don't know somewhere near the equator or yeah. even North America where they're I looked at like the size of their world their bird books and I don't know how you would choose what to be inspired by maybe I think maybe at some point in the future, maybe you should do a, a mini series where you just go to a different country for a okay, week and yeah, then just uh, create work. Yeah, I think that would be amazing. I mean, I'm uh, off to the Shetlands on Monday. Oh. Yes, oh, wow. this will be this will be in the past. So I've been yeah, to the well, Shetlands. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, this is weird. I can't work out the intents. So I'm off to the Shetlands on Monday for a residential with my partner and we're creating a body of work for what will be a touring exhibition. Oh, wow. So he works more about landscapes and I'm very much the small objects or the unseen objects and the small wildlife and plant life. And I'm really interested to see that disparity between those two things. And it's completely, because I mainly worked about Dorset wildlife near the yeah. South Coast. And I'm interested to see, you know, things like skewers, guillemots, puffins, you know, dolphins and storm petrels. Yeah. Yeah, just completely different things about. that to inspire yeah. you and to kind of take your work in a different direction. That you Absolutely. Want to about. Yeah, that'd yeah. be really cool. Like, that'd be somewhat, if I had the money, I'd love to commission you through that. That'd be so interesting. <laughs> yeah, please, please send me, I don't know, where's tropical, interesting. I've never been to Asia, maybe somewhere there or sub-Saharan Africa would be interesting. It'd just be, it'd be, actually, it'd be really interesting to do an exhibition um where you get like say five six artists and you just literally put them into a completely different environment and say to them yeah. i'll create a body of work within say like a week and then exhibit that that'd be cool yeah that would be really cool i'm going to keep yeah, that for I a like future that. idea in like 10 years time when i actually have a gallery i mean we'll see. <laughs> i mean is we'll that good goal to have a gallery that would be amazing not necessarily but i don't know i don't know there's a lot of different things i'd like to do now i've thought but now i've yeah. actually thought about it i'm like yeah this is really cool but it involves you know a lot of money and it involves a lot of time and effort and it's like 
like everything in yeah. life it's like you don't quite know if it will happen um that's cool that's fun i like it it's cool yeah but yeah it's more important to try and then go well it didn't work than to regret it and go i've never tried i completely I agree i completely agree but then, yeah yeah that's quite a privileged way of talking isn't it yeah no no it is and not just that like you should do it whilst you've got the time i guess because you know we're all getting yeah. older you know <laughs> don't <laughs> start thinking about my own mortality oh that's me on a daily basis so it's all good <laughs> fine it's fine yeah, it'd be wonderful to have a gallery because um yeah it, it you know and a gallery can commission work from artists and set the parameters of a show but the interesting thing is that like, what about if you do that i'm thinking like, what if i do that without having a gallery i can still do that i've got a platform yeah i mean like online exhibitions have definitely been a big thing during covid and lockdown i had some work in the sketch for survival with the david shepherd wildlife foundation and it was meant to be a physical show at um i think it was the oxo gallery in london um and it's usually it's a like a silent auction um but this year it was just an online auction okay uh, which was really different they did a really wonderful job of having like a 3d gallery you could move around um and it, it worked very well. A lot of a lot of shows have done three D yeah. uh, online shows, and a lot of um, arts weeks have done online, you know, catalogs and highlighting different artists every day to show things off. So I think it's definitely possible. So actually, that's a really really great segue into talking about exhibiting because that's something that everyone talked <laughs> about. Because you are a very busy lady, you have um, quite yeah. a lot of exhibitions coming up. I must say, I do. Um, yeah. So can you just talk a bit about? So what does that exhibiting work actually entail? And how do you know your work is, work is worth exhibiting? Mm. Oh, that's, that's, that's a question. Um, uh, I've never thought about whether it's worth exhibiting. I've always just gone, yes, it's worthwhile and I'm doing it and my work is worthwhile. I, that's a confidence thing. I think, yeah, just have confidence in your work and it, it is where it's supposed to be and it does deserve to be in a wall. It does deserve to be framed beautifully and it does deserve to be in that exhibition. It's beautiful. Uh, no question. Um, what exhibitions by what what does exhibiting entail um aside from creating the well we'll start from the beginning say um i've been invited to an exhibition and the parameter is so i've just done one uh called poison garden yes. and that was the parameter that was it that was oh. the title and there were maximum and minimum frame sizes and so i took a couple of days to think about the word poison the words poison garden and I had so many different tangents I went down, you know, sketchbook of just words written down, you know, mind yeah. maps, things online that I've pulled up, looking at um, old um, Dutch botanicals, which I absolutely adore. Um, and I finally settled on an idea. So I was like, I'm going to do three works. I'm going to do a triptych of bouquets. And then I kind of work backwards. So I work from frame size down because right. I like to order my frames in advance which is something I've learned through many mistakes is order the frame first then cut the paper and then sketch out the drawing otherwise oh, you run into I've run into so many difficulties with the mount being too small too big it doesn't fit the glass and you end up crying and having to reorder everything so I ordered the frames do the drawing learning how to frame or putting a frame together was quite important and making it look uh, professional and clean, making your work look clean and pristine and ready to hang is, is a really important lesson to learn. 
So, uh, and it's really simple. It's nothing too exceptional. It's getting framing tape and some hanging equipment and a little toolkit and making it look really nice. Uh, learn to over bubble wrap your work is going in the post. More bubble wrap is better than what That's, you think is enough. Yeah. If you think you've got enough around it, add more. Uh, packaging it up and um, understanding the postal system, especially due to Brexit now, is yeah. incredibly difficult. And I'm afraid I still don't understand it. It's still rather easy to countries outside of Europe. That's really straightforward, but inside Europe, it's very difficult at the moment. Um, yeah. And what else? I don't, I, I found sending work to exhibitions rather easy. Uh, I, I definitely had a lot of rejections from open call exhibitions, more rejections than, than being accepted, definitely. And how did you uh, deal that, with that rejection? Uh, cup of tea, you sit down. <laughs> There's nothing else really. <laughs> a cup of tea solves everything. No, a cup of a cup of tea and a couple of biscuits. And I'm over it, uh, and I will just. And then it's really important to know when that show opens to, if you can, go and see it. Yeah. Uh, go and see why you didn't, why, why your work wasn't quite right, um, and um, just go and enjoy the artwork they did get in, and really go and see. Oh, right, you know that I should have entered something more expressive or something more this way or something more that way. Um, and yeah, learning from mistakes, I guess. And, and it's never personal. Art isn't personal ever really, because art is personal to the creator. It, you find when somebody says no to you, it's a personal knock yeah. a lot of the time. And you've really got to try your hardest to separate that. Easier said than done. There are still those rejections where you feel like, oh, I really wanted that or I was really pinning, you know, my hopes on that or, yeah. But I think, you can be disappointed, but hopeful. But I guess the way you deal with rejection is what is going to determine how you progress. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's important to be disappointed, I think, because it means you care. It means yeah. you really yeah. care about the thing you were um, applying for. So what was the last thing I applied for? Wildlife Artists of the Year. I didn't get in okay. and I was bummed out for, for a long time because um, I it's such a prestigious show and um, I, I, I was disappointed, absolutely. And I will try again next year and probably the year after that. And I will keep trying. And even when I've got in, I will probably apply for it the year after that. I'll just keep going because it's just that they're wonderful opportunities and they're wonderful you know, communities to be involved with. And when, once you get a knockback, you definitely learn from your mistakes because you see the work they've gotten and you understand it a little bit more. You I think you definitely learn more from no's and rejections. You, your work wouldn't progress if you were just, if you came out of the womb, brilliant artwork and understanding the art world, uh, you, you wouldn't go anywhere. You, you have to have that learning uh, process. Yeah, it gives you more resilience to create. As opposed to just yeah, just you know, creating and just being like, okay, that's cool. You know, like creating and know it was Sal. It's you know, it's like if you knew every single piece of work you created was Sal, would you still create it with the same kind of joy? You would just yeah, do whatever. I, yeah, that's something I really like to ask other artists. If I feel you know close enough to them, you know, just uh, literally just just don't even be close. Just ask them. Yeah, no, just <laughs> dive right in. People um, love to be asked questions. You'd be surprised. They do. Yeah, people love being asked questions. Um, uh, until you can't think of anything to say. Um, 
yeah, I, I'm sure many artists just view it as a career. Um, and I think that's absolutely fine. And and many artists do have that personal attachment to it. I would definitely still be drawing if it wasn't a career for me. Um, it, it started off as a hobby. It's still kind of a hobby, but a profession as well. Yeah. I've definitely been doing it. It would just, it'd probably be different, I think, maybe. Because as an artist, I think you can fall into the trap of, well, that sells, so I'm going to make more of that, rather than seeing what else you can do. Um, maybe, yeah, just finding the balance between those two. What sells? Because selling work is important, because unfortunately we all need money to survive. And there is a bit of a stigma around artists wanting to make money off their artwork or making commercial work. And I've never seen a problem with that. I think if an artist sells their work on a coaster or a mug or a tea towel, it's a wonderful thing. It means it's accessible to everyone and they're making money to eat and pay their rent and bills. And I think it is lovely. And a lot of people do have issue with that. They think that artwork should just be the original on a canvas. Um, It should be um, for art's sake and art's sake only. And I, I think that's a bit of a shame. And is it important for you for your work to be accessible to everybody? Absolutely. I think, um, so I sell greetings cards of my, of my work, so blank art oh, wow. cards and prints and um, originals as well. And I like to have a, a range of different price points. So I like, you know, um, some, so something small that's affordable and then up to something more expensive that would be hung in a gallery and then everything in between because, you know, I, I, we've all been that poor student and poor adult and whatnot that would just love to own the artwork but just can't quite you know I have so many flamed postcards and cards on my wall and I think it's it's as valid as as the original absolutely like at the minute I don't like I rent so I don't have a house but it's like I would love to own so much art I see so much art that I would love to buy but I just don't have the space for it so like at the minute I'm thinking maybe I might just buy like art postcards that might be like a great way to start a collection um, yeah don't that think about yeah. it that'd be cool I, yeah I, I i yeah i i mean i love watching all those art competition programs online and the judges always say oh it's an illustration that we'd see on a coaster or a placemat and i've just never thought that there was anything wrong with There's selling your work on a placemat i quite There's like it no it, it's making it affordable to everyone which i just think is really lovely it should yeah. be for everyone yeah anything that expands the reach of art can only be a positive thing i agree and i mean i've seen you know I I sold some work on Society Six years yeah. ago, and I didn't realise that I ticked a specific box. And somebody bought my artwork as a shower curtain, which really okay. surprised me, and it just made me giggle. And I thought, okay, that's not <laughs> okay, something then. I ever thought I would see my artwork on. Um, but somebody has a shower curtain with my artwork on it now, and I thought that was fantastic. I thought that was the best thing. Maybe I'll create my own range of shower curtains. Like that's. That's super interesting, though, and it's it, you'll often say it's funny, but that's still like very valid, and it gives you still absolutely. You know, that's a good thing. That can only be a good thing. Someone likes it enough yeah. to want it in their home, in any yeah. respect. Yeah, yeah, I think all art forms are valid, and all ways to show it are, are valid. It's great. So, talking about like the reach of art, so what does it mean to you to be a successful artist, and how has your opinion of success changed? Oh, yeah. So like most people, I definitely used to attribute success with purely a monetary um, way. You know, um, I had to make X amount of money to consider myself a success. And 
if you think like that, you will never reach success because once you reach that point, you'll be striving for the next and the next oh, yeah. and the next. You'll never, you'll never be pleased with where you are. Um, so I think I try to see success now as doing what you do with integrity and enjoying it. Yeah, that's true. I think that's yeah. a great, that's a great answer. And I think it's yeah. a very um, honest answer, and I like that. I like when people are very honest. It's cool. Yeah, I, like I mean, yeah, I, yeah. We, you do. You can be the strongest world person in the world, but you will still sometimes fall into a bit of despair over over income or social media. Definitely, yeah. you will still have that part of your brain that says success is attributed to numbers. But it's very important to be able to override that with a louder voice that says, "Be quiet. It means nothing." You, you, you are a success that's a perfect segue into social media because that's my next topic um, <laughs> so so what are your thoughts on social media and how has it impacted your practice um I don't understand it in the slightest it's, it's so difficult um so if we take some let's just take Instagram as yeah let's say Instagram, Instagram it is the, the main the one it's it's the main social media platform for artists at the moment um, at the moment, yeah, there's always a new one that crops up every sort of like six months that's going to take its place. Never quite sure. Uh, so let's just take Instagram, which is an algorithm-based program. And that's what it is at its core. It exists for the creators of the app to make money. Yeah. So, um, and it is a business platform for them. So sometimes your art can get a bit screwed over by the algorithm sometimes it's boosted by the algorithm and I still don't understand I mean there's lots of advice about times of day to post what to post how to tag it and as far as I'm aware there's no right or wrong answer and it's different for everyone uh, an artist that I know personally started after me and has overtaken me in uh, followers and likes really rather quickly and their work is beautiful and uh, they put they you know, they do deserve the attention, but I have no idea what they did and what I'm doing wrong. Um, I think, yeah, there is no right or wrong answer. And I would say if you're going to use social media, use it meaningfully. Uh, meaningful engagement has been very important. So rather than just seeing a picture, clicking the like button and moving on, I think it's important to give back uh, and, you know, yeah. say you know write a couple of sentences and reach out to people in the direct messages just to say you like that artwork um if you want to get work into a certain gallery follow them like their posts say hello um and I think social media actually has been very important for me to see how other artists are in inverted commas being successful so if I see an artist whose career I would want to emulate I can see their career trajectory on social media which is amazing. That's not something we've ever had before. You can see somebody's progression really easily. You can see the connections they've made. You can link to their website. You can see what they're doing, how they're doing it. And it is just use it as a really helpful tool. It doesn't have to be just this numbers game. Use it to your advantage, I think. And I guess don't become too obsessed. So do you think that, that you know, because we live in a reward-driven society, like, do you think that yeah. affects that the way that artists approach, you know, image making and the goals of that art? Possibly. I think Instagram has its own um, artistic uh, sort of aesthetic and economy. 
I think if you look at the demographics that use Instagram and if you want to make money from that, you have to respond to that. And I think that's a very clever way that's of being a working artist. There are artists that just create work that appeals to the Instagram audience and that works for them. And that's quite valid. And it's, you know, it's something to be admired, really. It's very smart. Yo, that's a very fascinating answer. Your answer is very different to a lot of people have asked. And I think that's really interesting. That's super interesting. Oh, no, no, no yeah. in a good way. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I don't think, for instance, my work is um, specifically for the young Instagram audience. Um, it, it you know it has a different outreach in the physical world than it does in the digital world, and you know vice versa for a lot of artists. Yeah, I think that's cool, and I like the fact that you said that you don't really understand it. I think that's really really yeah. that's nice. That's nice to hear. <laughs> Because yeah, it seems I, like I can't lie. <laughs> I can't like yeah, really don't understand yeah, it. Because it seems like, you know, if you're in a certain demographic or a certain age range, you should know. But actually yeah, that's not definitely. the case at all. You no, know? no. Just because you, you know, just because you might be like 19 doesn't mean you know it all about technology. Yeah. Know? Just because you're 50 doesn't mean you don't know about technology. You yeah, know? absolutely. So, I mean, there are 12 year olds that could run circles around me, absolutely. you know, with social media. And I just look at them and I'm like, right, okay, cool. Perhaps I should hire like a teenager to do my, you know, social media. Yeah, it's really interesting to hear other people say it. I think it's quite, it's very um, comforting when yeah. other people admit that they don't know what they're doing. That's never talked about because as yeah. I said, social media is very curated. Every artist puts out their professional side yeah. that they know what they're doing. Um, and, you know, do, do they? Yeah, that's, like, really that's, why I like, that's why I like talking to different people because everyone has a completely different story to tell and everyone comes from a very different place with creating work. Even if, even if I speak to, like, you know, two landscape artists, like, one after the other, yeah. they have very different, you know, responses yeah. to questions. And I think um, that just fascinates me. Um, very fascinating. Yeah, definitely. So one thing I'm really curious about, particularly with social media, is the idea of a career and success. And do you think that um, too much exposure can be a problem for an artist? Well, maybe um, I don't have that problem uh, yet. <laughs> yet. Yeah. Oh, wouldn't that be nice? Um, you say possibly. that. You say that until that happens. Yeah, yeah. It would be very interesting to see it happen. I definitely do have contemporaries and friends that have, you know, those tens of thousands of followers. Um, and I, I don't think it's changed them as a person. It might have changed their work in that they start creating work to a formula that they know is going to work rather than seeing where their natural evolution would take them. Um, I, I think overexposure would have its pros and cons. You know, I you'd guess. be able to do so many wonderful things with it. I would like to think that if I had that overexposure, that I would try and give back as much as I'm taking. I mean, I've been very lucky in the last couple of years to raise money for wildlife charities through the sale of my work. Oh, wow. And I would like to think that if I had just that bit more exposure, that I'd be able to do just that bit more you know good for the world yeah because I'm you know I'm not an oil tycoon I can't stop oil spills and I can't go out and save the planet but I'm just trying to do the little bit that I can and I think I would really try to embrace more exposure with trying to give back a little bit more I you know, that's what I've re that's something that I've recently realized that a lot of artists I, I speak to is that that's what they want all they were all they really want to do is to get paid to create work so they can create more yeah like that's, that's all they want yeah. they don't want you yeah. know a big house they don't want a boat they don't want to be rich <laughs> yeah. they just want to be able to keep oh, creating yeah comfortably and you know very feels like you're cheating sometimes you know to be able to live on the income from artistic 
yeah. expression and creation it feels like you're cheating in the system a little bit and it can feel a little bit weird sometimes like you're doing something wrong or you know you've missed out something or you know, somebody's gonna go and come and knock on the door and say do you have your art license you know <laughs> yes, yes. um and uh yeah we just sort of want to create work and then be paid so we can do a little bit more and make other people see it and be happy it's it's not too deep so do you think that do you think that know your work is going to be seen online creates changes the way you create the work um yeah I, I think so um I think I've definitely become more aware of I guess because I've been found online for commissioned work and for galleries and for exhibitions um and it was looking back at those works how you know where they found me and how they found me and um seeing what work sort of brings in more work if that sounds yeah. too funky yeah that sounds right um so if a certain gallery found me via certain work then I will create work like that for them and and for that audience because that makes the most sense but it will always have my aesthetic in it my viewpoint what I want to create there is that middle ground you can do both so how important is audience to you? Um, I guess it's very important. Your art kind of doesn't exist unless people are seeing it. It exists for you, for the creator, absolutely. But I wanted an art career, so it has to have an audience. I was, you know, I, I was kind of late to the game understanding that, I think, that you have to understand your audience you have to respond to your audience you have to engage with them you have to be aware that they're there you have to create them you have to build your audience so yeah it's it's a it's a difficult one you you I think it's almost a self-creation thing yeah you build your own audience I think they don't come to you unless you're very very lucky and you're sort of discovered I, I don't know how that works but you have to build your own audience through hard graft and being sort of a bit business-minded so do you have like a specific viewer in mind or do you have like do you kind of know the kind of person who looks at your work I think the person that looks at my work is somebody that well first of all you know people that like the outdoors and very into nature and wildlife and the coast I think that is kind of my core audience I don't think I have like an age or gender demographic um I think it's been accessible to everyone. And as I said, I'd always want my work to be affordable to everyone as well. That's very important to me. Uh, so I do, you know, flip-flop between larger works and smaller works for that reason. And, you know, creating prints and cards and trying to sell them in different places as well. So, you know, I'll sell my work, I'll sell my cards in a garden centre, I'll sell them in a gift shop. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. The prints will be in a gallery down the road. It, you know, it's building that audience and being accessible to everyone which I like. At what point do you think an, an audience and the artist merge? And how do you, as an artist, make sure you're creating work that is valid from your perspective as opposed to for what other people want? Yeah, no, that's the really difficult thing that I think a lot of artists will probably fall into the pitfalls of doing. I think um, when you reach a certain point where you're you know, selling very consistently, just banging them out consistently, you will start to feel yourself sort of creating work to a recipe almost yeah. um and as long as maybe you can switch it up every once in a while and challenge your audience 
and you know um give them something different see how it see how it goes it's just very important keep it yeah keep it fresh exciting interesting um like I could draw 101 birds but I want to say something different with each one of them each one will have a different reason why they're created and hopefully um the audience will still feel the same uh personable thing uh personable what would you call it but they'll still get the same feeling that it's from the same artist and you're still doing the same thing. There's a different feelings attached. That was really inelegant. Uh, <laughs> so it's like quality control, really. Is that quality yeah, control? Yeah, yeah. I suppose so. Yeah. It's, a, yeah, I mean, it's like a certain aesthetic. You have like a certain aesthetic. Yeah. The, the, yeah. There's definitely like an aesthetic, a finish. Uh, you're, you know, an artist will be known for their colours, their composition, their medium. Um, and you know why they're creating the work and it might look different but it will still have that same essence there we go so have you ever thought about collaborating with other artists and is that something that you'd be interested in doing yeah I think that'd be amazing I don't know I've spoken to so many people about this and like I can just we can never just figure out how it would work I think it'd be so much fun uh I wouldn't know what it would be um uh yeah I had no idea I'd love to, I don't know, draw on some pottery, draw on like a lithograph stone and have that printed. I think that'd be lovely. Or I don't know, maybe, I don't know, design a pattern for like a curtain or a shower curtain, um, <laughs> anything. Yeah, because be really I, fun. yeah, because, and that's the one thing that I would love to do. I think it's one of the goals I would love to do with, with this platform is, is have collaborative projects with the artists that I talk to. I think it'd be lovely. Yeah. I think there's so many artists that I'd like to go and visit their home studio and just sit down and watch them. Yeah. If we yeah. can consider that collaboration, I think just watch them yeah. for a day, you know, yeah. be involved in their process. That's and just why, see what they yeah. That's do. why I think studio visits and kind of tutorials and kind of even just, you know, behind the scenes when people, even when artists post like Instagram reels of work in the studio, that's why that's so important. And it's so fun to watch. Like I love yeah. seeing artists working. It's just so fun. Um, yeah social media is very good for that because you're almost buying into the person more than the yeah. artwork of the time yeah. which is something that I, I'm sort of learning to do is but perhaps not be so polished with what I put on social media yeah. because I you know I'm not I'm not that much of like a straight laced up and down you know professional artist yeah, of course um, nobody really there is. are all these different no no there are all these different facets to work you know life as a working artist and it can probably be quite comforting and useful and informative to a lot of people so one thing i like to do which is super fun for me is that i always ask the artist that i'm interviewing if they have a question for the next artist that i interview <gasps> right yeah but the, funny, but the fun thing about that is that you don't know who i'm going to be next um Oh, and actually, okay. at, this, at this point, I don't know who I'm going to be next. Actually, at this point, I've got quite a, a few people to interview. But um... right. Oh, can I, I think about a question? Yeah. Oh, I want something maybe a little bit tricky. Do you want to ask you a question that the last person asked me to ask you? Yeah, different. Okay, so the this question is from an artist called Sacred Monolith. Okay. Um, and his question is, "What is your favorite piece of work you've created, and why?" Oh, right. I knew it'd be something. Um, favorite piece I've created. I think I'm going to say my favorite piece of work I've created is one of my coastal zoolites, and it's a Jurassic collection. I think I reflect on that work as a really pivotal moment in my work and my career and my life. 
I did that work in a time when everything was changing. I think I moved out from my parents' house and my work was, I was starting to make money from my work and I was starting to understand my process more and I could see my technique improving and I could feel my work become more um, authentic to who I was as a person. So when I look at it, it just makes me happy. It might not be the most technically brilliant piece of work, but it's just the work that I associate with my own success. That's really nice. I think that's my favourite work. And it's hanging above my fireplace. Oh, wow. It's even better. <laughs> yeah. That's even better. <laughs> even better. That's, that's, no, but that's really beautiful, though, because that means not only do you understand the power of that work for yourself, but you get to see it. So it invokes that feeling every yeah. single time you see it. Yeah. I, yeah. I did create, yeah. I, well, I did create it for an exhibition. It didn't sell. And I still like it. It doesn't, you know, sort of bring me down that it didn't sell. I get to keep it. Well, if somebody wants to buy it, they can buy it. But I get to keep it and reflect on it and enjoy it for the time that I have it. And yeah, it's, it was just such a pivotal time. that um, Yeah, it just brings back a lot of nice memories. And, it, and it's a good sort of like, if I, you know, it's a good um, emotional booster sometimes. It gives me yeah. encouragement. It's a great way trying. to feel about your own work as well. I think it... It, you can fall into a trap of because you've done it it's done like it's old news you've, you've created it and it's gone and it's done um but it's yeah. nice to look back and be like you know actually i'm actually quite proud of this and actually what i do actually like this and if, if you're satisfied with it that's enough yeah you know. yeah yeah i like that yeah so yeah i i think i view my i like i view my work as successful as long as i've learned something from it i, I always try to push myself and my technique and my abilities in each piece of work that i do um, and as long as I feel like I've learned something and I've improved on something, I, I feel like it's kind of been a success. That's perfect. So do you have a question? Then that's personalized. I do. I would like to know what are their non-artistic influences and inspirations? What are I'm gonna write this down. Your non-artistic influences and inspirations. Yeah. This is a question I ask a lot of people and it makes a lot of people stop for a minute. So uh, to give you a little Okay. or warning so what makes a good image and what was the last piece of media or image that you saw that left an impression on you ah right um okay what makes a good image um i don't consider myself a philosopher so i don't think i'm going to have a very uh insightful answer to this what makes a good image what makes a good image for me yeah for you in your opinion something that makes me think about what the image is about uh and that can oh, i say image okay let's just say art in general yeah uh, so we're talking sculpture music you know film yeah, anything, television, yes. something that will start a conversation uh, either in my head or um a conversation between me and my own work or me and somebody else or me and somebody else's work it's something that i can that i'll think about in like five minutes time or five months time or five years time i will remember it and i will be thinking about it and something that will uh leave uh an impression on me um i've just been going through um um some books I'm taking with me to the Shetlands just for inspiration and I pulled out one of those big tomes of you know famous artworks from around the world one of those very generic artworks and I was looking at actually what is my favorite painting and one that I keep thinking about and the last thing to leave an impression on me which is Hans Holbein the Youngest the Ambassadors which is a painting of uh, ambassador, uh, Henry VIII's ambassadors uh, he sent to the Church of Rome I think um, and it's 
might mispronounce it, Jean de Donteville and de Selve. And it's, you would look at it first and go, it's a painting of two blokes and it's got that weird skull in the middle that you, yeah. when you viewed it at a certain angle. Anamorphic. Yeah. Yes, yes, that's right. Um, and but there's so much else going on in that painting that's hidden in meanings. Uh, I know there's like a lute lying on the shelf that's got a broken string, and that's to symbolise the discordance between like the church and Henry VIII. And there's like uh, an open hymn book with uh, a hymn in it that means something to the time. And there's a hidden crucifix in the corner, and their clothes are saying something. And it's just that hidden symbolism. Yeah. That when I first looked at the painting at school and had to dissect it, and it's still something I go back to now because I think there's a lot of hidden symbolism in my work because I try to tell a story with objects, and I think that's the last painting that um left an impression on me, and the first actually, so the first and the last. Yeah, that's cool. That's a great. That's a great answer, and actually, that's really lovely that it's still something that you look at now, um, and also it has a lot of prevalence to your own work and I think that's also great like it has yeah uh, a great kind I mean of it's connection. so far removed from what I do I mean that's, it's a that's the beauty of it painting. yeah but it's just left such an impression on me and when people ask me what my favorite you know painting or drawing is and I say oh it's a painting of two blokes in like fur clad things with a skull and a lute in it and it's about you know religion and Henry VIII I think a lot of people are very confused like oh, but you draw ducks and shells like yes but um it, it's it's all about um you know why the why the painting was made and why I do what I do are yeah. quite similar so look, that's that's great that's amazing and I think that's very you answered that very slickly I, I love that but I should also knowing what people what leaves impressions on people is I think the thing about art is that I feel like it can be very throwaway and yeah. I think the way art is viewed sometimes can be very like it's not really that important um yeah when actually it's probably one of the most important things we have in society um why else are we trying to you know medical advancements why are we trying to advance our lives why are we trying to make life easier is it just it is so we can enjoy art and leisure just that little bit more we're creating it because it's in, it's to enjoy of course you know, enjoyment is as important as you know scientific exploration and politics and you know maths yeah. and history and geography and you know, it's all it's all valuable i think yeah the human experience is all valuable of course absolutely and actually that leads very nicely into the next question actually so mm -hmm. um so why do you create art and what do you think the role of the artist is in this contemporary society why do i create art i i create artwork because i like drawing uh, I think that is that is the bare bones of it. You know, like most artists loved drawing and colouring in as a kid and I never kind of grew up from that. You know, my parents would, you know, leave me in the lounge with a colouring book and they could come back five hours later and I would still be doing the same thing and I haven't changed from that. Um, and I create work because it makes me happy and I want to make other people happy with it. And it, it's... Um, that extends to my commission work as well. I really enjoy doing those um, because people give them as gifts and you get lovely emails back saying how much they loved it. And, yeah. you know, um, you know, creating artwork, depicting somebody's mother that they miss terribly. Um, and just to feel a part of that is really nice. And I want to pay homage to British wildlife because it's such an important thing to me. Um, and it's something I really enjoy doing and a lot of people really enjoy or miss out on and just being able to extend that. And 
the role of the artist, I think, is a very varied one. Some artists are important because they get us to think about the political climate or they get us to think about the past or, you know, cultural and societal issues. I, I don't think that's me or my work. Um, maybe my work says something about the fragility of our environment and gets us to think a little bit more about endangered species and how we should be respecting them a bit more and looking after them a bit more. Um, yeah, maybe it's just to get us all thinking a bit. Do you actually have any advice for the artists? Yeah, um, be as prolific as your life will allow you to be. Um, you have to say yes to every opportunity and then panic afterwards make it work afterwards uh, the, the person you know offering you the opportunity will, will will want to help you probably um yeah be as, be as prolific as 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 um your life will allow you to be and even more than you think you're comfortable with and if everything goes terribly at least you'll have a really fun anecdote um and in, in terms of being prolific I think what I mean is making yourself known to every facet of the industry yeah. Uh, that you think you kind of belong to, uh, which is, a, is an ongoing part of being freelance. So sending emails every day um, and it can be stressful and intimidating, but don't be scared. People are nice. They'll get back to you. They'll want to help. So, you know, going for agencies, magazines, exhibitions and, you know, um, curators. Um, yeah, confidence is another really big thing. And that is a, a, a case of faking it you truly are confident fake the confidence until one day you forget that you aren't and then you suddenly are confident in your work because it will happen I, I think I'm quite comfortable saying I'm quite confident in my abilities now and when people come to me for a commission I'm confident that I can do it. I'm confident I can talk about my work um and and you know um yeah do what makes you happy uh I definitely had a very single track mind when I came out of university that what I wanted to do was narrative book illustration and it, it, I enjoyed it, but what made me happy was being outside, wildlife, nature, the environment. And now that I'm doing it, it it's taking my work in a completely different trajectory and perhaps a more successful, uh, in inverted commas, a more successful one. Um, and yeah, I think that'd be my advice. So the very last question, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. um, so double borrow question is, um, and you've already, you probably know what it is because you listen to the interviews. So the very last question, is what are you currently working on and where can people find more about you and your work? Sure um what have I got coming up I have some really big plans in the works which is exciting and terrifying so as I said I'm off on a residential on Monday for a couple of weeks so I will be creating work for a solo exhibition which well not solo sorry Robin my partner will also be in the exhibition it's his as well Jeez, um, a, a joint, that's the word, a joint exhibition, touring, we'll be touring it, so there'll be more about that, I'll you know, keep people posted, that'll be in a couple of years, and then I'm planning a joint show with another friend, Jen, who's a printmaker, we're going to be showing some work hopefully in a couple of years, I have some magazine work coming up, I have uh, a few exhibitions coming up with Antler Gallery and Talon Gallery in America, so their anniversary show in January and Poison Garden. There's a local exhibition coming up next year, all about insects and bugs and literature, which is really interesting. I haven't created the work for it yet. I haven't cool, begun thinking about it, which would be really exciting. Um, and I think my future goals is my overriding future goals, just to keep enjoying what I'm doing, yeah. which is very, very lovely. And sometimes probably not to take myself so seriously. Yeah. Um, 
because I do we all do we all take ourselves too seriously sometimes uh so I, I just want to think yeah this is ridiculous I'm creating pictures for a living you know have fun with it um and uh yeah and I'm, I'm yeah gonna I think produce lots of really big work which I think is gonna be fun and where can people find me online my name Katie Harold and it should just pop up <laughs> I, I think that's always I think all my social media handles are Katie Harold or Katie Harold illustration and my website is katieharold.com that's perfect Casey thank you so much oh it was like, absolute pleasure I was like, so honestly, excited to be asked like, honestly honoured that close this interview with Katie Harold thank you very much for listening if you have any questions or comments about it, please send me an email at theflyingfruitbowl at gmail.com or via social media sites such as Instagram. The Flying Fruit Bowl audio interviews can be found on a variety of sites such as Apple Music, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to support the platform, please consider subscribing, rating and reviewing, and sharing these interviews with friends and family. Also, don't forget to check out theflyingfruitbowl.co.uk for daily art inspiration. And if you're a creative, please get in touch for a chance to be featured and interviewed. Once again, thank you very much for listening. And until next time, folks, please stay safe.